Cultivated Marketer, Episode 26, Mark Schumann, Leadership Communications. Today, we talk with Mark Schumann, an executive coach and consultant who specializes in leadership and C-suite communications. His clients have included everyone from major airlines to IBM to American Express. He also teaches graduate students at NYU. He talks about the role of leadership communications in today's world post-pandemic and how the pandemic shaped and changed the C-suite from a communication standpoint. Hear more with Mark Schumann. Hey, greetings, everyone. Matt here, flying solo for you today as we introduce our latest Cultivated Marketer podcast episode. Really excited about this episode because we're just a couple of months removed from what was a terrific professional development day hosted here in the Kansas City area by our Kansas City IABC chapter. It was their Business Communicators Summit. The keynoter that day was former IABC fellow and former IABC board leader, Mark Schumann. Was really glad to get Mark on. Mark's a, a former corporate communicator and now a leadership coach. He's also a fellow educator, which you'll talk a little bit about. And he was really the perfect keynoter for the event that day because he's been working with his consulting clients, with big companies, CEOs, et cetera, on this issue of how and why we need to change our way of thinking in this post-pandemic world. Workplace issues, leadership styles, all of those things. So if, like us, you're fascinated by the changing roles of our profession, this should be super interesting for you. During his long career, Mark has been a bit of what I would call a CEO whisperer as well, and he's worked with some of the big names in the CEO world. As an example, he did some work with Southwest Airlines CEO Herb Kelleher. We could probably have made that an entire episode on its own if you want to know the truth, but Mark definitely has a lot of experience working with the senior leaders at the highest levels in big, big companies. So we do talk a bit about that in the episode as well. So and again, just suffice to say, we were super excited to land Mark for this episode of the podcast, and we know you'll gain a great deal from his wisdom and his insights. So without me droning on any further, enjoy our conversation now with Mark Schumann. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. Our guest today is an executive coach and consultant. He helps leaders all around the globe and their organizations inspire people to feel enabled and empowered to bring and do their best. Some of his clients include everyone from major airlines to IBM to American Express. And he also, something Matt's turned me on to, a little bit of the teaching bug our guest also teaches graduate students at New York University in communications, consulting, and culture. Yeah, you know, Brent, I'm so glad that we've got Mark Schumann with us today. It just seems like a few short weeks ago we had him <laughs> physically with us in Kansas City at the KCIBC's Terrific Business Communicators Summit, and Mark was actually the keynote. And actually, so first of all, Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for the chance to talk with you and to to focus on some topics that are quite important for anyone who is fascinated with how leaders shape organizations. 
Absolutely. We were so glad to get you to Kansas City to keynote that event. And it was just so, well, first of all, you mentioned it and many of us did. It was so great to be back in the same room, right? Oh, Together as communicators. I know it, that was. It was, oh, it was, it was, it was an overwhelming moment. And I had, as you may remember, I took a photo of all those people in that room because I just wanted, in case it's the last time I'm in a room with that many people, I, I wanted to, to preserve that. It, it reminds us that as, as comfortable as we have become with what technology can bring, there is just nothing like being in the same room with people and, and feeling the, the interest and the support and the, just, the, I think, joy of being together. Well, we all remember what it was like to not be together, right? I was explaining to somebody that, you know, marketers, in, when, as we were all going through quarantine and whatnot, we're, we're sort of like caged animals, right? Everybody wanted to was just there was this pent up urge to get out and and so that that IBC event certainly allowed us to do that and maybe that's a good place to start Mark and ask you a little bit you know the the theme of that conference was reconnect and I know you spent a lot of time talking to us about how this you know th- the event that we all went through right. has really precipitated some changes that we're not going to be able to get away from now and so can can you can you maybe just uh, that, I know that was a big part of the thesis of your talk can you can you kind of take us back into the room there. Well, and I'm going to actually go back to yesterday because I had a long chat with a CEO I've worked with a great deal and I worked with quite a bit before, during and after COVID. And we were reflecting on how the role of leaders, as we both believe, has has permanently changed. And it's not surprising if we look backward because we all shared this most intense moment we had to adapt very quickly to living and working in completely different ways. And leaders had to keep us all together. And leaders became not only the, the source of information about business, but all of a sudden we were looking to them to explain vaccines and schools and home education and internet and parents and all these things that connect our lives every moment. And, and and he was saying, and it was interesting to hear his perspective, that he cannot be the same leader he is today after what we have been through the past few years. And I find in the other leaders I coach, there is a resistance to acknowledge what he so clearly articulated yesterday, because there is a little bit of a tug of war happening right now where some leaders in business want us to go back to the good old days. And I'm not so sure the good old days were everything that that they're thought of to be, but I think we have to acknowledge that the human connection that got us through COVID is the human connection we expect after COVID. And we expect that level of connection. And if we don't find it where we're working today, We've seen that we're going to go find it somewhere else. And I think it changes what we expect from leaders. Why that is so important to people in our profession is that we are in, in no matter what part of this profession you may work in, we're the, we're the glue, we're the connectors, we're the ones who help people see in other people what they need to feel informed and inspired. And if we're not aware of how people look at leaders and what they need from leaders right now, then we're not going to be as effective in helping leaders be what people need. Yeah, that's interesting. I 
I was, you know, as you were talking about Aurora's connectors, it took me back to a keynote I heard a few years ago where a gentleman was describing where communications fits in an organization. And he said, well, if you think of it as a human body, he said, it's kind of like the elbow. We're at the elbow of the organization because we're really connecting. We're, we're much like a joint. We're connecting so many different parts of the organization. I think we're the glue. I've okay. always thought of us as as the glue, and, and 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 I think sometimes if you think about glue, sometimes it's kind of gooey, and sometimes it gets really stiff. And I think sometimes we have to learn how to to, to be fungible so we can be what the moment needs. I think this moment at, right now is the essential time for us to listen to where people are and and the long-term impact of this crisis that we all went through that we that we all endured through and i think that unless we take this moment to really listen to where people are we're going to miss the opportunities that this moment provides yeah, this conversation is reminiscent to me the the, the glue conversation if you all remember no roland drawn was a communication consultant that had presented, I know, at IBC events many years ago. And he would draw this diagram, this triangle, and about how leadership, you know, maybe at the top, but there may be this black hole within an organization. And I and part of the communicator's role, I think, is to, as you had started to share, Mark, is to identify that black hole and then be able to express that to the leader. One of the things, if we're listening to organizations and part of our role is to listen with organizations, you mentioned this disconnect with some leaders. Like there was, it sounds like there was some self-awareness with the leader you were speaking to yesterday. How do we as communicators approach those leaders that might have that disconnect that may not see or have that self-awareness? I think unless we can walk into those conversations with facts, we're going to have a hard time. I was really lucky with this this leader I talked with yesterday because when I went to work with him six years ago, we invested quite extensively in listening to our people. We had you know, tens of thousands of people around the world, and I spent most of my job listening to people, which at the time felt like a wonderful luxury. It became quite essential because we knew precisely where our people were on any range of issues the moment that COVID started. In fact, our people started to educate us about this this thing that was happening. And as I went around the world, the, the last weeks of February and the early weeks of March virtually, listening to our people, and I would listen to about 1,500 or so per month in discussion groups, I was learning how people were absorbing this change that COVID would bring. And what we captured in those moments, what what I called, as I reported it to our leaders, a generosity of spirit that people in our organization realized that this was a crisis larger than us. This wasn't a self-inflicted wound. This was one of those, those in, in Australia, they call it, I think, a white pheasant or a white, some kind of a white moment, a white bird moment of some kind that changes the world. And, and that generosity of spirit, as is my, is my former boss told me yesterday, that generosity of spirit gave the executive team so much fuel to do what was needed. 
it, it be, and because we could walk in and say, this is where our people are at this moment, it enabled them to make decisions in real time. And so it reminded me that of the, of the skills we bring as people involved in marketing or communications, that ability to listen and then to take what we hear and to tell a story so we can summarize where people are for any voices that need to hear those those messages is is is, is that's the most imp important thing that we do is to as as we go back to an old way IABC used to express itself to enable people to be heard that's that's why we're here and i think that covid reminds us and the post covid experience should i think prompt us again to say the key thing we bring is how we listen and then how we share what we hear. Yeah. And it sounds like you did enough qualitative. It became quantitative. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it did. And, and when I learned from that and, you know, if, if we just, if we just give ourselves the chance to experiment, there's no telling what we're going to, what we're going to find. Uh, I, I was just looking for a way to talk with people and I didn't want it to feel formal so I called it the culture club, not because I am a boy George fanatic, <laughs> but it just, I wanted somehow to position this as an opportunity to have chit chat about what was happening at work. And so these were very informal chit chats that started with 10 or 20 people. And then over the months ended up growing into something quite larger. What I learned from that is, is, we have the, the the creative power as communicators to make it all feel organic, to make it feel informal, to make it feel natural, and to create a safe place. And the most important thing that emerged from that was that people felt they had a safe place to talk about real things happening at work. And then I had a real platform to take those to our senior leaders and then to return what I heard every week, I did a podcast every week for our people managers so they knew precisely where people's heads were. That is not necessarily the most tactical thing a communicator could have done. And my approach to podcasts was much less sophisticated than what we're doing today. But it was simply saying, when we have the content that we know people can, can learn from, it's our job to get it out there however we can. Hey, Mark, I, I want to ask you, because when I worked in internal communications, obviously far pre-COVID, pre pre-pandemic, the way that I would get my best information is like a lot of internal communicators, it was the break room, right? It was the essentially the water cooler. It, in today's work environment where we're still, you know, offices are at 50% occupancy, Mark, is the water cooler dead now? I think it's just changed. I think that if we think about what made the water cooler a moment is because we were all thirsty and we went there for a purpose. And so it's a matter of saying, okay, if we can't get the water, what are we still thirsty for? And so I, one of the things we did during COVID when everybody was out of the physical location is we kept having water cooler moments. We just had open chat rooms using technology that we've all come to love. And I think that what what matters is we is we create the safe place and when we're trying to adapt what worked in the brick and mortar to what needs to work virtually we need to really think about what made the brick and mortar a moment of magic 
I go back to the basic meeting. In the basic meeting in the brick and mortar world, we didn't get to work right away. We took a few minutes to say, hey, how was your weekend? How are those chiefs doing if you live in Kansas City? But now in this new world, we get right to the point. You know, if that team's meeting starts at high noon, we just get right to the point. Well, then we have to ask ourselves, what about the check-in? What about taking two minutes to simply check in with everybody so we remind ourselves that we're all people and we come to meetings with different with different experiences? I think I think it's reminding ourselves some of those things. Brent, you've got to work. You've got a virtual I workforce. Think, is that? Do you guys just jump right in, or 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 how does that work for you? Curious. No, it's it, it's interesting. Mark had mentioned that, and I I wish I could recall where the study is. Now I'm now I'm going to be off for the show, show notes. notes. I'm going to be off trying to find the link to the research that I just read several weeks back about the notion of having these check ins more personal and actual chats that lead to camaraderie ultimately being leading to productivity, long-term productivity. So we can, we connecting as human beings. And I actually, I just spoke with a local engineering firm, a couple of the employees there that are regarded as one of the best. They were just named one of the most innovative companies in, in the United States. And they're generally considered one of the best cultures. And I, I actually asked them, I said, what's your secret? And they said, we'll have stand up staff meetings and sometimes we won't add anything to the agenda and it's just for us to connect as human beings. That's right. I, I, and I think where I learned that uh, again, or sometimes I think our careers are simply a matter of relearning what we already learned. But when I relearned it again was, was actually teaching via zoom. And I, I just had this sense that, you know, at least when we're in a classroom that's a physical space, we have the chance to kind of chat with people, but in a Zoom, we don't. And I dedicated as much time as needed during a three-hour block to the check-in. And just like the experience you described, there were some weeks where we went a long way beyond what I thought the time allocation might be to complete the check-in, but it reminded me, and I think this is something we can be reminded of as well as share with others that until we give people the chance to be people, we're not going to get their attention on the, the subject at hand. And maybe that's what we learned. We, you know, we used to talk all the time before COVID about the work-life balance as though it were a tightrope that we had to walk. And sometimes perhaps it was. I think now the work and life are so connected that there isn't a separation. And unless we are in tune with how we feed that connection, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a tough time. And, and, and we're the ones, because of the skills we bring to what we do every day, who can intently listen to people and then put together what we hear. And I think, again, that comes back to where are people, what do people need right now, and what do they expect from the people they follow? Those are some of the basic questions we, we should be asking ourselves. And and I would, you had started the first part of that conversation about a safe space, right? And the expectation about being a safe space and have you encountered and what have you encountered when an organization doesn't create that safe space, what the outcome might be? Well, I think people find it for themselves. And, and, and this is where, you know, in the old days, maybe they gathered around the water cooler, but I, I worked for a company many years ago where people to find that safe space went to the far corners of the parking lot 
and and we could see them out the window, but we had no idea what they were talking about. And now we don't have to do that. We can do that online. So if we if we don't provide a place for people to safely express what's on their minds, they'll find it for themselves. And I think that that again, if we look at the way organizations are a collection of conversations, it's how can we be a part of what people are talking about? And and when we jump in and, and let ourselves hear and let ourselves just be a, a natural contributor to those conversations, we pick up much more. One of the other changes that I think we have to keep in mind, at the same time that COVID changed so much about the relationship between people and work, there were other changes happening in our world. And organizations used to be able to almost consider themselves safety cocoons where we can close our windows and the rest of the world can't reach us because we're so embedded into our own culture. I, I think we've learned over the past few years that no matter what happens in the world, it comes into the organizations where we work and it's uh, the windows are open and everything blows in. I think that makes it even more imperative that we hear where people are. We're now in, a, in an age where leaders of organizations are often called upon to, to express opinions about things that they didn't used to be asked to express opinions about. And so the, the, the dialogue that a CEO is expected to contribute to reaches beyond how we performed and who our customers are to what's happening in the world. And that's, a, that's, that's new territory. And so all of this contributes to what we expect from our leaders and that expectation has broadened and deepened in the past few years. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you went there, Mark, because I had written down and circled the word CEO, yeah. because I know that of all the people we've interviewed on this show, you probably have the most experience working directly with chief executive officers. I know you've consulted with them. You've coached with them. You know, we'd probably need a whole other episode because I know at one point you actually worked with Herb Kelleher of Southwest Airlines, mm -hmm. which would be fascinating to get into, but I'm conscious of time. But, but, but over and beyond that, I, I, I'm fascinated by CEOs because in my experience in large corporate, they truly were agenda setters in every sense of the word from a communication standpoint. You wouldn't think that one person would have that much power or cast that wide a shadow. And of course, we see it. I, I teach a lot of crisis communications now. And so I'm constantly showing my students examples of, you know, how a CEO responds. And, you know, how does the, the guy with the oil spill who's saying, oh, no, the, you know, this is really impinging on my time right. all the way up to and including, you know, people even recently through the pandemic. I, I show them videos of, of uh, Albert Borla at Pfizer or Arnie Sorensen and Marriott, and just terrific examples of, of guys that, that really acknowledged the elephant in the room and, and showed some of their personality, even as they were leading change. But it, it just occurs to me that I have many more bad examples than I have good examples. So <laughs> wh why, why is that? Is it because the CEO is coming through the MBA structure and it's accounting and it's finance and, and empathy is somewhere lost on the cutting room floor or, or never even found to begin with. You, you've talked to more of these guys than just about anybody. What's, what are the differences? Fascinating question. Uh, I think they're very careful. I think they're careful in what they say and that can inhibit what they express. I think they're careful about places they might step where they shouldn't go. 
I think, however, we haven't maybe done the jobs we need to do to help them become more comfortable with this essential role that they play. When, when I start working with a leader, among the first questions I ask are, when are you comfortable and when are you uncomfortable? When are you confident and when are you less than confident? And what are the, what are the situations where how you communicate feels natural and when it feels forced? And from asking those questions, we can learn so much about what a leader feels he or she can bring to, to people who need to connect. I, I think it comes back to a few fundamentals. I think it is a matter of how aware a leader is of the role he or she may play, of, of what makes people want to follow, what people see when they look at this leader. Often talk with leaders about, you know, pretend this is a reality show and you're the star 24 hours a day and they're watching everything that you do and and are are, are you are you aware of, of what people are seeing are you able to watch yourself i think that we are much more in tune to how people in organizations copy the behavior of leaders they watch and they see how leaders react to other people and what seems to be the way to get ahead and and, and leaders in their behavior, what permission they send throughout the organization, what fear they send throughout the organization, what disappointment they may send, and, and how able a leader is to edit that behavior in the moment. And, and, and as a coach, that's what we spend a lot of time on. And then it's all about how a leader communicates. And it comes down and it where it's always been, it's a leader's ability and, and commitment to inform people, to interact with people in ways that will advance the organization and will help people feel heard, to involve people so that if I have an idea, I actually think that someone may look at it, to influence and use their positions to advocate for the people they lead, and then ultimately to inspire where I want to be there because of how working there makes me feel. If anything we've learned the past few years, how people feel is as important as what people know and what people will contribute. How I feel as I'm going through this experience is something that on the scorecard, whether formal or informal, we may not have placed a few years ago. And now we have to. I, I'm so glad you touched on that awareness. And I know that was a key part of your your talk when we were at IABC. It just, it has me harken back. And I, I'm not sure they do this any longer. Fleischman Hillard used to do some research around authenticity gap analysis. It was like, oh, it was fabulous. They did it every year. It was kind of a bellwether that we all looked for and and they had the nine selling points and three of those selling points were related to things people would generally think of of either culture or internal right. communications activities right. one being ceo behavior one how you treat your employees and one how you treat the community and and you've spoken a little you know spoken about the the awareness and the indirect behavior of what the ceo's role and behavior would do within a couple of those touch points there. And we just feel as people working in an organization 
that we're entitled to know who these people are. And that means more than scripted moments. That means we want to see them in unscripted moments. And I, I, I think I shared the story of my CEO doing his first Zoom around the world after COVID. And he's in his home office, as most people were. And there's an, he's on Zoom talking to the, everybody about how serious life is. And there's a knock at his door. And, and, and he says, excuse me. And it's his son saying, Dad, I have to print out my science paper. And it was a magical moment. I think there was a global sense of relief that the CEO only owned one printer. And that all of a sudden, at that moment, we were all this. We were all in the same place. We were all people trying to cope with what had just happened, and he was doing the best he could. That moment of of unscripted humanity gave him so much license to be human during the rest of the pandemic. And I think, as as communicators, part of our job is to spend enough time with these leaders so they they know when the moment happens. They know they're in the moment and they can make the most of that moment. And I asked him, I actually asked him yesterday, I said, can we go back to that moment? I said, I've always wanted to ask you, uh, wh what prompted you to handle it in the way that you did? And he said, I'm a dad, he had to print his paper that was my top priority. And I, I just thought, you know, that moment was, 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 was magical. Yeah. Well, how many times do we get a chance prior to the no. Zoom world to see into CEOs' living rooms, <laughs> right? No, no. <laughs> and, and, and I just was, you know, I, I think that what it teaches us and hopefully teaches the leaders that we work with not to be afraid of this, of spontaneity not to be afraid of walking down the street and tripping, or maybe the words don't always come out just as perfectly balanced as we might like to script them, but the unscripted can reveal so much of who someone is, and, and that's what we need right now. You just hope it's the more relatable of those moments, like the sun getting the, the piece yeah. of paper on the printer. It's not the it's not the exclusive black car driver coming to pick you up and bring you to the private jet. It's, there are so, moments from my past experience where executives standing up at the podium talking about, well, once we wrap up the comments here, I'm going to hop on the private jet. We're like, yeah. you do not need, no, please. <laughs> that no. is not really but, yeah. the most people. <laughs> but, but, but I think it's helping, helping a CEO realize that each moment that someone watches people memorize those moments. And I always recall a CEO, this is several years ago, who was doing a town hall filled in an auditorium with hundreds of people. And there were serious questions being asked during the Q&A, all about competitors and the stock price. And then someone stands up and says, can you tell me if we could get a better bus stop in front of the building? Because I have to walk a block and in the rain I get wet. And that CEO, and I think partly because the communicators who supported him were so good about their prep, he treated that question about the bus stop with as much care and finesse as the most delicate question about the stock mm. price. And mm. it's just one of my favorite memories. And, and he would have made the person who asked feel so heard. And, and part of, I, I think, our job as communicators is to help leaders realize that 
the things that happen in these small moments are held by people and shared by people, and they form the the public impression of who this leader may be. Yeah, that's great. Mark, you've been so generous with your time, but I know the fo- one of the focuses, of, the main focus of our show is is really talking about professional development for marketers and, and particularly for younger marketers. And as, as you talked in the beginning about just how our role of, as communicators has, has changed, and I think about my role as an educator of, for instance, undergraduate students, right, who are, you know, getting their degree in journalism and mass communications, and they're going to go out there and be strategic communicators, and and they're excited about that, and 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 they're looking up at us, sort of like, well, what what should I what should I know to be able to do this job well? And so many times that for us on the education side comes down to tools, right? Well, we're going to, you know, there's all these great new digital tools and look at all the certainly vastly changed from when I started in the business and we were still pounding out press releases on a, on a typewriter. So, you know, it, it becomes, you know, the, the tools and the bright, shiny things in, in that regard. But there's so much more to the role now as a strategic communicator. If you had that same group in front of you, you know, what, what kinds of things would you suggest to them to, to really be the best communicator they can ultimately be beyond just the, the tools that we, we excel in? <laughs> I, I do think that we, we have to move the conversation beyond the tactics because we, we do have a, a slight tendency in this profession to get excited about the latest tactics and to think about the tactics is is driving the message. I think there's something pretty simple that we can do every day. And I have my students do this all the time. I think we look at the, whether you like to look at the news on a screen or if you still pick up a newspaper, but somehow find one news story every day that would somehow demand that a communicator help a leader think through, how are we gonna get through this one? And you train yourself to every day say, okay, today it's this politician or today it's this leader of business or today it's this owner of a restaurant, whatever it may be, no matter where you are, to find some situation and say, if I was there and someone asked me, how do we get out of this one, what would I do? I've always recommended to people, no matter where they are in their careers, to not think about this is the job I want, this is the role I want, but instead to think of, this is the conversation I want to be in. And so if you just imagine, as you skim the news, if I was lucky enough to be in that room talking about how we figure this one out, that in a way can become our own training course for ourselves. Yeah, Ed, you think through that scenario, and then you're thinking through, as a result, the message, right? And I've heard you mention two C's, with, particularly with respect to not focusing on the, the technical tools, right? There are a couple things that I think all communicators need to remind themselves. You've actually mentioned three C's. One of them I want to touch on related to personality and the calm, the discussion of calm. But there are two C's with respect to message that I think it's a good reminder for no matter where you are in your career, because we can all get caught up in those tools. I think uh, how, how curious we are. And, and if we don't find that we're curious, then we have to, I think, search inside to say, okay, what am I curious about? And what in this situation just fascinates me? And we follow that courage. And then, I mean, that, that curiosity that leads to I think a clear point of view of what matters and that's where conviction comes in. 
I think the the combination of our curiosity and our calm and our conviction gives us courage in that moment to say, you know what, I think here's what we need to do. Yeah. And it's that clarity that I've heard you speak of. There is so much in the way that we can get twisted around from a distribution channel that we have communicators. You, you said it's, and it's almost like how I teach SEO when I end up having to teach SEO, whether it's to my team or to a group of students, the tools themselves can get so complicated, but what we need to remember about SEO, if you get lost in it, it's simply a question asked and a question answered. And, and I've heard you speak about this notion of we can get twisted so far about the tools, oh. but just clear, just focus on the clarity of the message, people. <laughs> it reminds us that maybe in years past, we had fewer tools, but how did that impact the effectiveness of how we communicated? And I think sometimes we were clearer communicators when we had fewer tools because we had to make certain that the message was clear. And if we have the message people want, they will find it no matter what tools we may offer. Yeah. And, you know, from your, from your talk at IABC, the discussion of calm amongst leaders really resonated with me because when I think about all of the mentors that I really have admired or the CEOs that I've really admired, they truly have been essentially even keel people, right? Never too high, never too low. And boy, I would just think if I were ever to be a CEO or, or get to that position, I would want to be a leader who dispenses calm as as much as possible, just because Mm -hmm. I think that, gosh, in our world, we need more of it, right? (laughs) Well, and I think this is where we have to step out of our conventional ways of supporting leaders to sometimes have the conviction and courage to ask questions that may not be expected. And I was working with this CEO at some point, and, and in his office, he was just so boring. And I sat there and I, I, I really was afraid I was going to doze off because he was just so boring. And, but he was quite interesting in what he was talking about, but he just put me to sleep. And I thought, this isn't going to be good. I'm a communications person. I don't really like it if we put people to sleep. And so I asked him, I said, where do you go to get ideas? And he said, well, I have a ranch out in the countryside and, and I work on fences And that's when I get my ideas. And so it became really clear. The communicator said, well, then we're going to go have this chat while he works on a fence so that (laughs) we can be there when he is at his best. And I think sometimes we can help our leaders be more comfortable with the spontaneity that people need right now if we help create the circumstance for them to be spontaneous. I think that's a good distinction, even from what you shared at the IBC, the Business Communicator Summit, as I was thinking about even some of the personalities. So this notion of still being engaging, but remaining calm, just that talk about that presence and that calmness was a good reminder to me of who the best leaders might be, no matter their walk of life, right? But there's such an emphasis on personality these days, you know, you think about the the executive, the Elon Musk's out there and the, the, the bombasty of things that are out there. It, you speaking to that was, was just a great reminder. Well, well, I, I think it's what do people need from me, the leader, in this moment for the conditions that, that, that they face? And uh, I think many times the use of the term presence is misunderstood. And we all hear about 
this leader does or doesn't have the presence in the boardroom. And I always question what that really means. I think that any of us, we're all different, any of us can have that impact in whatever conversation we want to be a part of if we're true to who we are and if we deliver what people need. And and asking ourselves at this moment, what is the level of intensity that's actually going to feed what people need rather than draw the attention to me? And and so I, I, I do think that there is a humility that requires. Back to self-awareness, right? So, But, but you're <laughs> right, Brent. What, what do we celebrate in the media, right? We celebrate this cult of personality CEO. We, wife and I just finished what was the HBO series Succession, you know, with the uh, – the guy that, you know, just, I'm already pulling clips out of that from my next leadership class, right? To show them what not to do, but that's what's celebrated. Well, exactly. And that's why when Mark ended up coming to speak and I'm juxtaposing his <laughs> remarks of calm with the cult of personality and the, the, the discussion of presence is so interesting. I, I know in talking with a leader at a, of a nonprofit here locally, one of the things they were trying to hire several years back, a VP of marketing and communications. And I said, What's the first thing you're looking for in that role? And he said, gravitas. But, but that, that is so. What is this, that? <laughs> I just, I hear this quite a bit. Someone will call up and they'll say, well, you work with so-and-so because that person is rough around the edges. <laughs> and I just want to say, are we talking about furniture? <laughs> what are we talking about? And, and, and I think that our job, again, is, is not to, or I feel my job is not to impose upon any leader a, a pre-recorded scorecard of what you must be. I always feel when people ask, what is the, why do you do what you do? I always feel, I mean, I say something that may not be completely clear, but I always feel my job is to help discover and help the leader discover what is truly special about that leader and to learn how to protect it and learn how to share it, to learn how to reveal it, but to always know this is who I am and I'm not going to let you push me around and be something I'm not. And I think that that awareness or that 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 commitment to to be truthful to who I am and what the situation needs and what you all need from me is what what defines leaders who make a real difference. And I, we we have so much discussion now about how do we cure the problems of the world and how do we make this a world where we can feel safe and, and heard and welcomed. And I think that the the there's a lot of expectation for business to help advance this. And I, I strongly feel that if we want to live in a better world, then we need to work to create better worlds every place where we work, because where we work is really what teaches us how to welcome, how to include, how to hear, uh, and that will make a, a better world. And so I do think that the burden of responsibility has become more intense the past few years. Yeah, that's a, a good place to circle back this notion of authenticity of the leader. And you'd mentioned earlier the fact that the 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 deck may already be stacked against them a little bit in the sense that they come out a little careful, right? So that's that's a that's a, a tough thing to to go yeah, through. There's a conflict there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes we have to humor them through it as well, saying it's okay not to be perfect. 
Yeah, for sure. Boy, Mark, you've been so generous with your time. Th- thank you again. And, and oh, thank you. It was just so good to have you in, in that big room uh, in, in front of all of our, so many of Brent and I's colleagues and, and uh, get a chance for, for well, I've heard you speak a number of times, but to allow them to, to do the same thing. And thank you for your service to the communications industry down through these many years. You just are, you're, you've been terrific. And so we're, we're so grateful to have had a chance to, to take a deep dive with you here today. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to it future conversations anytime. You bet. Mike, thanks for joining us. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. <laughs>